Praise God. Isaiah 6, chapter 9, verse 6. Are you there? Yes. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth forever, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Father, guide my thoughts, my words to speak to your people today. Let it minister to us. Speak through me, Lord, to your people. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've noticed, but there seems to be a war on Christmas going on. And I find it kind of humorous almost that a lot of the mainstream news organizations are denying that it exists. Oh, there's no war on Christmas. Uh, it's like... Really? Have you not seen the big pink elephant in the room? There is a definite war on Christmas. The world does not like Christmas as what it genuinely means. And it's not so much of the holiday, it's the meaning. It's not really a war on Christmas, it's a war on Christ. That's what it boils down to. They hate our God. They, you know, they, they love the whole gift-giving thing and, you know, get together and eat a lot. That's all wonderful. But when you talk about the meaning of it, and this is what doesn't make sense. Now, I'm not talking about way back in those pagan roots. I'm talking about American understanding and, and acceptance of Christmas is that Christmas is celebrating the birth of Christ. That's what it is. That's what we realize it and know it to be in the United States. In this time, and and it is a Christian holiday. Amen. That's what it is. And so they're fighting to get Christ taken out of a Christian holiday. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it's like let's celebrate Washington's birthday, but don't mention George Washington. <laughs> let's 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 celebrate Veterans Day, but don't mention veterans or wars or anything like that. And let's remember Independence Day, but don't talk about the United States or Britain or, or Independence. You, you can't take the core of the holiday and it mean the same thing. That's what it is. It's a Christian holiday in the United States. And so we have this battle going on. And our schools are now taking God out of everything. And let me... Let me back up, because about a year ago, I suppose, I did a, a message or two on, on uh, Christianity in the history of America. You remember that? Those who were here, I did a, a little bit on that. And I went into, and you've got to understand that there is nothing in the Constitution of the United States of America that makes it illegal to celebrate a Christian holiday. Amen. In fact, the Constitution is very clear that you shall make no laws, what? Restricting the free exercise of religion. <clears throat> You cannot make laws to make it illegal to recognize or to uh, exercise or worship your God. That is illegal in the United States by Constitution. There is nothing in the Constitution that says you can't do that. They say, well, it says that, uh, that, that you will not establish, that the government will not establish a religion. That's very clear in the, in the forefathers' writings of what they meant by that. 
It has nothing to do with them recognizing a religion. What they're saying by their own writings, and this is just kind of a little uh, tidbit to, to, to get you where I'm at, they, what that means by the forefathers' own writings is that the government can't say, hey, you've got to be a Baptist, or you've got to be a Presbyterian. There would be no established religion. That's what they left in England. That's what they didn't like over there was the English colony said you will be a you will be a, a member of the Church of England. They said we're not going to do that. So in America what it means by establishing a religion is you the government cannot tell you what denomination or what religious group to be a part of. But it does not say it's illegal to worship God. Right. And forefathers had no problem with it whatsoever. But this war is going on. The governor uh, of Rhode Island refuses to call a Christmas tree a Christmas tree. You know, it's a holiday tree. <laughs> the Wausau School District in Wisconsin sought to censor Christmas music deemed religious in nature. Christmas music deemed religious in nature. Hmm. <laughs> Three options were presented. The options did not allow for religious music and, and then after a little bit of an uproar, they did decide that they would allow religious music to the tune of one religious song to five secular songs. <laughs> you could not. And, and the school board president, Michelle Schaefer, thought that was a very balanced way to approach it. Uh, there was a time when many of our big retailers would not allow you to, their employees to say Merry Christmas. Barnes & Noble... Banana Republic, Family Dollar, Foot Locker, Gap, L.L. Bean, Office Depot, Old Navy, Radio Chef, Staples, Victoria's Secret, Walmart, and many of the banks would not allow their employees to say Merry Christmas. There was a serious backlash, and some of them have backed off on that now because it costs them. 95% of Americans say they are not offended by the term Merry Christmas. 95% of Americans say Merry Christmas is fine. 46% of Americans say they're offended when somebody says happy holidays to them. <laughs> People have no problem with Christmas. Our society, our leaders of our society, and a very small element have a problem with Christmas. An elementary school in Frisco, Texas, uh, said that boys and girls who attend the Nicholas Elementary School's winter party will not be able to make any references to Christmas or any other religious holiday. Christmas trees are also banned along with the colors red and green. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> so you cannot send your kid to school if you wear red or green. Is this silly or what? ESPN was to put a uh, commercial on during uh, the Cardinal Glennon uh, during a game that was to uh, broadcast the Cardinal Glennon uh, Children's Medical Center commercial and said that they stopped the advertisement because it mentioned the birth of Jesus Christ and sends a message to hope to the children through Jesus Christ. So they, they got ESPN got rid of that. They didn't like that. Shire Force Base in uh, South Carolina where my mother-in-law lives has removed the nativity scene because it is a religious symbol on public land. This war against Jesus Christ is intensifying in our nation. The Supreme Court has now said that, uh, that a massive cross at the top of Mount Soledad War Memorial in La Jolla, California, has to be removed. And 90 days to take it down from a war memorial. This thing is intensifying. And I started pondering this week because I was, thinking, I was praying, God, give me something that will speak to the people. 
Give me something that will say something to you that will help you. And it dawned on me one day where the battle of Christmas came from. This, this war on Christmas came from Christians. And if you really get back to the, the very core of it. Now let me explain that. Where did the, the, the following of St. Nicholas come from? Well, it came from an Episcopal preacher named Clement Clark Moore. He was an American professor of Oriental and Greek literature, as well as divinity and biblical learning at the General Theological Seminary of the Protestant Episcopal Church. In 1823, he wrote a poem called A Visit from St. Nicholas. Later, that title was changed to Twas the Night Before Christmas. And from there, this mythology started to develop. This, uh, this figure that, that we now look at as almost a symbol of Christmas. Uh, and now it's gotten to the point in the United States where on Christmas, we recognize a God who is omniscient. He knows all. Omnipresent. He's everywhere. Omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Comes from the north. Has white hair. Has a beard. Wears red. Comes as a thief in the night. It's a carpenter. Lover of gifts. And giver of gifts, sits on a throne, receives prayers and worship, is an everlasting father, judges right and wrong, and commands children to obey his parents, bids little children to come unto him, says ho, 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 and is known as the Christ child. His name is Santa Claus. Oh, wait a minute, he isn't all that. Yes, he is. It was, it's almost striking when you look at the similarities. It is striking when you look at the similarities between Santa Claus and Jesus Christ. It can't be by accident. He comes from the north, Ezekiel 1.4. says, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire unfolded itself, and the brightness was about it, and out of the midst thereof was the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Psalm 48.1-2 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountains of holiness, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north in the city of the great king. Now, we've told our children in America that there's this fellow that lives at the North Pole. And he lives way up there, and he has a great place where they build all this stuff, and, and, and he resides in the North Pole. Is it an accident that Jesus Christ and Santa Claus both come from the north? Isn't that interesting? He is omnipotent. He is the all-powerful one. This guy is able to go around and deliver presents to tens of millions or however many households there are in the world all in one night. He is, he is all-powerful and knows what everybody is doing. But there is only one all-powerful one. Revelation 19.6 says that I... And I heard, and as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as a voice of many waters, and as a voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. There is only one omnipotent, all-powerful one, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's also known as omniscient. He knows everything. Oh, Santa Claus, he knows when you've been good. He knows when you've been bad. So be good for goodness sake, right? He knows. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He is all-knowing. But Hebrews 4.13 tells us, Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him to whom we have to do. There is only one that is all-knowing. How about omnipresent? This Santa Claus is everywhere. Again, he goes to the whole earth in one night. I don't know about you. But even when I was real little, 
That one confused me. You know, I'm talking little. I'm sitting there in my bed at night thinking, how does he get to all these houses in one night? <laughs> That's a pretty, pretty amazing feat right there. But he is an omnipresent one. He is everywhere. But we know that there is only one true and genuine omnipresent one who is everywhere. In Psalm 137, 7 through 10, it says, Whether shall I go from the, thy spirit? Whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend into heaven, then thou art there. And if I make that bed in he my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy hand shall hold me. There is only one who is everywhere, and you can't escape him. God knows where you're at. There's nothing you can hide. There's nothing you can shield. God reads it. God knows it. Santa Claus is a fraud. How about ageless one? Santa Claus has always been around. He always will be. He's been delivering presents at the beginning of time, and he's always going to deliver presents, right? That's what we're, that's what that's what the myth of Santa Claus is all about. But Revelation one eight says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end." Saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He is the only ageless one. He had no beginning. He had no end. He is a giver of gifts. Oh, Santa Claus, old Saint Nick, he put that big old bag over his shoulder. That was another thing that struck me when I was little. I was like, how does he get all those presents in that one bag? <laughs> oh, I was always one of those critical thinkers, even when I was little. I'm like, wow, that bag's just not big enough. So they made the bag bigger in some of the other cartoons, and I was thinking it's still not big enough. <laughs> He needs a bigger bag and a lot bigger sled. But Ephesians 4, 8 says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Did you know that Santa Claus is depicted as sitting on a throne? You ever see those cartoons? He's always sitting on a throne up there in his castle up on the North Pole. But the Word of God tells us in Revelation 5, 1, And I saw in the, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written wherein, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. Hebrews 1, 8 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. How about he has white hair? And that's why I shave my hair off. That way it doesn't turn white. <laughs> It just works. Ladies, don't try that. <laughs> Look really bad. <laughs> but we have this white-haired fella that, 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 that looks like he's all-wise, all-knowing. But Revelation 1-4 says of our God, His head and His hairs are white like wool, as white as snow, and His eyes are as a flame of fire. And we all love that beard of Santa Claus. You know, he went and sat on his lap and played with his beard and pulled it off, and then he had to put it back on. You know, <laughs> you know we, we like, uh, if you weren't one of the kids that was actually screaming their brains out, which is what most of them do when they sit on his lap. But Isaiah 50 and verse 6 says, And I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And then this. This jolly old fellow with a white beard and, and white hair oh, is wearing a big red suit. You know, he's always in the red suit. Well, what does the scripture say about our Lord? Isaiah 63, 1 and 2. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This is that 
is uh, glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine fat? And here's one that's quite interesting. He comes as a thief in the night. Now, being a police officer, if somebody was to go to your house and slide down your chimney in the middle of the night while you're sleeping, even if they left something on your, you know, under a tree for you and it was a gift, it would still be considered breaking and entering. You would still be going, that guy'd be going to jail. And then if he ate your cookies and drank your milk, that would be theft. You know, so that would be a problem too. How do you get uh, the chimney? But, what? How do you get down? How do you get out? That was another one that used to bother me when I was little. I'd be so fat. I would. I'd actually go because we had wood eat, and I'd actually go and I'd look at our chimney. Yeah. Like, I would look up there and shine a flashlight, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand how you got down that thing. He was so fat. I don't get it. Then he catches but, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to let the fire go out on Christmas. I don't know. But Matthew 24, 43 and 44 says, But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready for such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. There is one that is coming as a thief in the night. There is one that is coming, and no man knows when, and it is not Santa Claus, folks. It is the true and living and almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Well, God doesn't say ho, ho, ho. That's crazy. Zechariah 2 and 6. Ho, ho, come forth and flee from the land of the north, saith the Lord. For I have spread you abroad as the four winds of the heavens, saith the Lord. Hmm. Do you see a pattern here? This isn't accidental, folks. When you're creating a fake god, uh, you gotta you gotta be the you gotta mimic him right. In judges, oh Santa Claus, as I said, he knows when you've been sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. He knows and judges the actions and behavior of a child. But here's the problem with this. And this is, this is a, something that I think has is, is done more damage than we think about. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I wasn't good. Matter of fact, there probably wasn't much good about me. You can ask any of my school teachers. They kicked me out daily. <laughs> I was probably kicked out of school more than I went to school. Uh, and in fact, I took my wife to meet my principal one time, and he told her, and he said, I used to kick him out on a daily basis. <laughs> I mean, it was just that normal. But you know what? I still got gifts on Christmas. No matter how bad I was, there was still gifts under that tree. So it didn't really make a difference whether I was bad or good. And I didn't really have to be good because I still got presents. But there is one that does judge. Romans 14.10 says, But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we look at these things and we realize this isn't an accident. And there's many more. This isn't an accident. Somebody has purposely created something to replace God in this time of the year and in our hearts. But there's something far more troubling to me, is that he's worthy of prayers and worship. St. Nicholas, 
is called Nikolai of Myra, a historic 4th century Catholic saint and bishop of Myra, uh, an area of Turkey. Because of many miracles attributed to his intercession, he is also known as Nikolai of the Wonder Worker. He had a reputation for secret gift giving, such as putting coins and shoes and those who left them out for him and thus became the model for Santa Claus. But what do Catholics do with saints? They pray to them. They pray to saints, right? So this Saint Nicholas character is worthy of our prayers and our admiration. But Revelation 5, 14 says, And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever, the one and only one that is truly worthy of our praise, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the most troubling of all, of all to me is the name Chris Kringle. We think, well, that sounds very innocuous. Chris Kringle? You know what Chris Kringle means? In German, it means Christ, Chris Kindle. Chris Kindle is the, is the term. Or Christ Kind. It is an Australian German, uh, he's considered an Australian, Australian and German Christmas gift giver. The term is also translated Christ Child. Ooh. Now, they're trading on just a little too deep for me right there. Well, they were too deep through this whole thing. But you're talking about somebody who's called the Christ child. Chris Kringle. This is not a good thing. James Knox, a fellow I love to listen to preach, he said, you could not by produce, you could not produce by accident or chance a false god who matches Jesus Christ in 37 biblical particulars unless you were deliberately working to replace Jesus Christ with a lie. And this is what's happened in our country. We have allowed a lie to take the place of truth for this season that is our most sacred, as a, one of our most sacred as Christians. If you look at elves, they come from Norse mythology. They are a race of beings with magical skills. They were also called in their day demons or tree spirits. So that's what the elves are. And we have to think, what does God think of this? When you take... Anyone, and you replicate them to the point of 37, at least 37, major character uh, copies, copies or, or patterns of their characters. You would have to say you have an imposter going on, right? Somebody's an imposter, and Jesus Christ is being uh, faked by this replica of him called Santa Claus. And it is a scary, horrible thing when you really think about it, because what does God tell us? You shall have what? One God. No other God before me. No other one. You shall not have another God. If you do, what's it called? Idolatry. What does God think of idolatry? Well, the scripture tells us in Corinthians that idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, what's so terrifying about this is we've allowed a Santa Claus, a fake, a fraud, an imposter to get into the hearts of our children in the United States. We have allowed them to embrace a fraud in the place of the true and living gods. And we've lied to our kids. We've lied to our kids. Anybody's kids get in trouble for lying? And now where do they learn the pattern? They learn it from the parents that are perpetrating this lie. 
We tell them that Jesus is real. You just can't see him. And the same parents who say that Jesus, uh, that, that, uh, that Jesus is real, you just can't see him, also tell their children that Santa Claus is real. You just can't see him. At some point in that child's life, you know, when he's 30 or so, he realizes that Santa Claus is not real. And then, hopefully before 30. And then when he realizes Santa Claus is not real, mom and dad lied to me this whole time, but they also told me that Jesus Christ was real. And you just couldn't see him. You see, the problem that we bring into this thing, not only are we allowed this imposter to get into the hearts of our children, we've lied to them. And we allowed this fate to take a portion of our kids' hearts and pull them away from the true, one, and living God and Savior Jesus Christ. We have taught our children at an early age to love material possessions, to try to get as many presents as you can possibly give, to love themselves, and all in the name of this mythical creature named Santa Claus. Now, if any of you believe in Santa Claus, I'm sorry that I bursted your bubble today. <laughs> but, let me tell you, there is an almighty God, and he is real. And he's got a white beard, and he's got white hair, and he wears a, a red suit, and he judges, and he sees, and he is ageless, and he is omnipotent, and omnipresent, and, 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 and omniscient, and all things. There is one of those, and his name is not Santa Claus, it is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the genuine reason for the season. We have done a horrible disservice in America to our children. By allowing a fraud to take the place in their heart and lying to them. You know, Santa Claus is kind of a sacred cow. You know, you don't really touch Santa Claus. You start talking about Santa Claus, you're going to get some people getting upset. My wife has an aunt that kind of reminds me of that. You know, it's like if you don't celebrate, which we never did, tell our kids that Santa Claus was real, we never did that. And we were terrible parents for that. It's a terrible thing. Why would you rob Christmas from your kids like that? Why would you steal Christmas, the meaning of Christmas, from your children to take the joy of Christmas? See, this is a problem I have in this. To our children, we have taught them that Santa Claus is fun. Man, on Christmas morning, you get you get woke up at 4 o'clock because your kids are shaking your bed. It's time to open presents. You know, and you get up and there's presents all over you. you. You drink apple cider and you have cookies and you have fun and everybody, and all day long they're playing with toys and they're all broke by 5 o'clock. But, you know, they had a great day. It was awesome. And then you go to church and you sit quietly and listen about Jesus. Bored stiff. <laughs> and, and there's no presents and there's no fun and there's none of that in relation to Jesus Christ. And we've taught our children this. Well, let me tell you something. Our kids are funny things. If we teach them that something's fun, it'll be fun to them. You ever notice to a to an eight-year-old boy going out into the woods and cutting wood and throwing it in the back of a truck and stacking it is fun. You know why it's fun? Because daddy's there doing it with him. And he gets to be with daddy. You remember those days when your daughter was excited to do the dishes? You remember that? <laughs> Didn't last long, but, but, but she grew up watching Mama do dishes, and I, I want to do that. We instill in our children what is fun and what isn't. They learn that from us. You know, 
later on they make up their own minds. But when they're young, we have that. Man, you go out and say, hey, I'm going to throw your face down into the snow and pile it on top of you. Oh, this is awesome. This is great. You know, anything you show your children and teach your children is fun is fun to them. But Santa Claus should never be fun because he is a false god. He is a liar. He is a fraud. Taking the place of what Christmas is, is really all about. Taking the place of what Jesus has is supposed to have the only place in our heart. And the only place in our children's heart. American children, when you mention Christmas to them, they're not thinking of Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask them, what's the real reason for Christmas? They'll probably tell you, oh, it's the birth of Jesus. But if you say, hey, are you looking forward to Christmas? Yeah, why? Because I get presents. Santa Claus is going to come. He's going to come down the chimney. He's going to leave me some wonderful things. They don't think about Jesus Christ. And that fault is on us as the parents. Or grandparents. Or aunts. Or uncles. Or whoever. We have got to give our children truth from the holidays. Why do we have, celebrate Christmas? Because the risen Savior, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, started the whole thing as a baby. He was birthed into this world in flesh and blood and walked this earth, walked these streets just like you and I do, wrestled with all the things that we do, fought with all the demons that we do, had bad situations come upon him just like we do, struggled with with the temptation of sin just like we do and live victorious through it all as the, as, the, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it all happened. It all started on that Christmas day. And that's the whole message of what this is all about. They're coming against Christmas because they want to take Jesus away from this season. We as a church should never, ever allow an imposter I have seen Santa Clauses in church. How disturbing is that? How disturbing is that? This thing is not about a fraud. It's about the one true and genuine King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He sees us all the time. He's not checking if you're naughty or nice. He's checking to see whether you're in the faith. He's looking at your, the soul of the man. And he comes bearing gifts, and they're not little toys in a box, but they're eternal. They're, they're gifts of eternal life and salvation. God brings that gift. That's what it's all about. We have to remember, we can't just tag Jesus onto Christmas. And, and I think that that's what the church has done and what Christians have done for so long. It's still meant about wrapping and, and gifts and, and, and Santa Claus and Christmas trees and all that. But we said, well, always remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Well, you can't tag him onto it. You know, it's like you're dragging Jesus along with Christmas. It's got to be about him and the other stuff has to, has to take the back, has to go away. You know, it has to be about Jesus Christ. Oh, what? We can't decorate? We can't do that? I'm not saying that. I am saying that Jesus has to be everything in Christmas. He is the very reason for it. Everything you do in Christmas should be about the genuine reason. And an imposter should never be allowed in the hearts of our children. Let's pray. Father, the enemy is relentless right now to take you out of this season. To rob us from the meaning. Get our minds and our hearts away from Christmas and what it means. 
Lord. Thank you, God, for sending your Son. Thank you for providing a means for our blood atonement, Lord, so our sins will be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for the day that is represented here when the Savior of the world was birthed, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Lord, thank you for Emmanuel, God with us, coming to the earth for us. Lord, praise you for that. Help us, God, to not just tag you into our Christmas celebrations, but let us make you the very central figure, central theme in every way. And God, I pray that there will be a holy vengeance that rises up against this worship of Santa Claus in our hearts, Lord. Let us, let us throw him out. He doesn't have place. He doesn't have room. He doesn't belong in a Christian's heart because he is a fraud. Lord, I just praise you. Praise you. Hallelujah.